podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back and our march through July to get to Blitz Month continues on. Uh, I have this uh, episode today where I'm going to react to where my fellow voters had uh, the Big 12 preseason ballot. If you want to hear me talk about my entire ballot, my first team, and where I rank all the Big 12 schools, go back to last Thursday where I talked with Drew Galloway of K-State Online. I'm just going to kind of react to everything I've seen, the fallout from that. Um, so I'm going to go through that. I'm going to talk about um, really the offseason spice in the rivalry, the Sunflower Showdown rivalry between K-State and KU fans because I think it's taking on a very interesting dynamic. And then I'm going to end uh, just kind of uh, giving some flowers to uh, not only the K-State donors but the facility teams because the K-State Volleyball Arena just wrapped up. Um, all the the volleyball team got to go in and check it out. The Olympic training facility, so basically the training facility for all of the teams outside of football, basketball, and baseball. They got a brand new training facility. So I'll, I'll talk about my reactions to seeing those uh, facilities and talk about that um, at the end of the show. Before we get into it, though, Of course, we have to give a shout-out to our sponsors, Manhattan Brewing Company. They just celebrated their third anniversary, and I'm so happy that that they are thriving. They're three years into it. They just dropped some very fun beers, some fruited New England IPAs. They just had their bourbon barrel-aged stout with Jay Rieger, by the way. Um, my favorite distillery here in Kansas City. Um, so I'm going to be getting up there. Be on the lookout. Keep your eyes peeled because I'm going to be up there uh, a handful of times this summer, including some times to record some episodes here in the coming future. So check out Manhattan Brewing Company. They're the best brewery in the state of Kansas, no doubt. One of the best breweries in the region. Get their four packs at your local liquor store. If they don't have it, tell them to get it. Tell them to get it. Be polite, but be firm. Go to the brewery. I guarantee your next favorite beer is on tap over at Manhattan Brewing Company. And remember, the start of every great summer night starts with Manhattan Brewing Company. All right, let's get into it because I I think there is a dynamic that is forming. And it is one that is honestly a little bit foreign to the uh, to K-State football. I think that we are going to experience something that uh, has has never happened, at least when you look at things through the lens of where the media votes K-State in the preseason football poll. So it was released on Thursday 
Uh, I didn't do an immediate reaction to it. Uh, I saved it for this. But K-State came in second place with 14 first place votes. Uh, what? About 28 points behind Texas for first in the Big 12. And before I read through the entire ballot, or not ballot, the entire poll, and give you my opinion, what stood out to me, this is the first time in the 10-team era K-State has been picked this high. I believe it's only the second time that we have received first place votes. I think it might have been the 2014 or the 2015 or maybe even the 2016 season. Somewhere in that in that round of three uh, seasons, a, the Spanish language Texas broadcaster picked K State to win the conference uh, this year. There were fourteen, and I was amongst them as well. Now, uh, for my own personal opinion, I wasn't going to pick Texas uh, to win it in their final year, um, but I truly believe. K-State has a shot at winning the conference. Now, I've thought that this is my third straight year. I, I truly believe, hell, even going back to 2020, I, I, I believed it in 2020. I believed it in 2021. I definitely believed it last year in 2022, and I think we can repeat. Now, the difference between me, a fan, thinking that, or even last year, a bunch of folks saying, oh, K-State could be a dark horse but they were picked fourth with zero first place votes uh, when there were four teams. Keep in mind, Iowa State got votes last year. K-State did not. Um, the, the difference is is a lot of folks are thinking K-State can do it. A lot of folks are picking K-State to do it. There were a lot of guys on the team, the, the first team uh, preseason all team. Uh, Treshawn Ward, the newcomer of the year, preseason newcomer of the year, there isn't that traditional disrespect card that you can really play that K-State fans and you know I, I I think I think we'd all be naive to say that the team doesn't also rally around. You you can conjure some stuff up for sure. You can kind of sit back and maybe uh you know pick and choose some stuff off the preseason team. But when you're looking at being the number two without a doubt, and you're much closer to number one than you are number three, I think you have a hard time sitting back and saying the media doesn't believe in us. You know, no, it's, it's us against the world. And I think that puts things in a new dynamic. This is the highest we've been picked. I mean, since I think, I think this only started in 2004, in which K-State was picked, I think, first or second in the North Division. Now, we're not going to talk about um, what happened in the 2004 season. <laughs> that was maybe, uh, in my youth, that might have been the worst season ever. <laughs> Heck, as a K-State fan, and maybe this is something that we'll talk about later on in the offseason, uh, tons of talk recently about, you know, what's the best K-State football season. Is 2004 the worst one? Kind of coming off of 2003, um, having the preseason Heisman hype for Darren Sproles, and then that season going the way it did. Um, that one might be the worst season, uh, but we're not going to worry about that. But 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 it truly is for the first time, at least when you're looking at the media, I, I, I think this is the first time that K-State is going to be truly amongst the hunted 
from day one. Now, going back to 2012, it was astonishing K-State was picked like fifth or sixth. Um, it, and, you know, it took that blowout of Miami early in the season. I, I think that target was quickly acquired, but it wasn't there from the start. It wasn't a game that, uh, you know, just about everyone on your schedule has circled all the way back in July. You know, it, it, it this is truly shaping up to be a season where, uh, you know, it goes back to the 90s. And again, I, I, I say this is the first time. This is the first time, uh, you know, since 2003, you know, it's the first time in this new era of college football on the other side of the decade of dominance where you're winning 11 games almost every season. So, again, for, forgive my verbiage there, but it's the first time in a very long time. It's the first time in two decades that every single team, when they're looking at their schedule, they are circling that purple power cat and saying, this is a big one. Man, this is going to be a massive game. It's a game where every road game, it's going to be 100 bucks to get in face value. Because this is a team that I, I imagine when we see the preseason AP poll, you're going to be a top 20 team. Um, and you're going to get everyone's best shot. And, and I think this is a new territory for K-State football uh, in the last two decades. And I'll be interested to see how the football team uh, reacts to it. I think everything is going to work out well. Now, in the past, we, we've seen it a few times playing like the G5 teams, the Arkansas States, the Tulane's, um, where you have, uh, you know, you are the hunted and things don't work out. I think that this team has so many leaders, guys who have been through it all, guys that are coming back and playing for a specific mission that I don't think we're going to have to worry about it. Uh, I'm very confident that guys like Cooper Beebe, guys like Daniel Green, players who we full-on expected, no, they're not going to come back. They're going to move on. They're going to go be a first-round draft pick in the case of Cooper Beebe. Oh, Daniel Green, you know, he's been playing college football forever. He's going to go on. He's going to try to play in the NFL. And honestly, I think when the time comes, I think he's going to find himself on a team. I, I do believe in Daniel Green. But you, you would think, okay, with these guys coming back, you have that servant leadership. You have that, you know, Chris Kleiman loves to say, oh, no, it's not my program. It's their program, pointing to the players. Um, you have these type of veterans that I don't think we're going to have anything to worry about, but it's still going to be something new. Anytime you are experiencing something for the first time, anytime you're taking on a task for the first time, um, things are going to be a little bit different. Things are going to be a little bit, at least when you're looking from the outside in, you're going to you're, you're gonna question some things. Hey, what is this going to look like? And uh, it, it truly is becoming obvious basically every week that we get close to the season that K-State is one of the big boys in this conference. And it, it, it's just honestly a little surprising to see. Uh, I think when it came out, I'm, I'm in a group chat and one of my friends said, Oh, I'm surprised we were pick, picked second. And I asked him, well, why? And he goes, well, you know, I just assumed it would be Texas and Oklahoma. You know, we're never picked 
uh, high in the in these sort of things. And he's not wrong. You know, he's not wrong. So so it is interesting to see K State in that situation. And I, for one, uh, am pumped for it. I, I like the idea of being the hunted. I like the idea of kind of being the big big bad team. And I think that this football team last year at times really kind of embraced being the villain a little bit. Embraced kind of playing with uh, a little bit of swagger. Hey, you want to beat us and we know you can't. I think we saw that at times last year. And I think that uh, hopefully they're going to have that mentality left on their shoulder. I I, I think that they will. And I think it's going to lead to a highly entertaining football team. Um, Big 12 Media Day on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, So I'm sure some stuff will come out there. I'll be interested to see what some of the national folks uh, ask Chris Kleiman, ask the players. Um, A ton of content is coming out of Big 12 Media Days, and it's going to come from not only, you know, uh, K-State Online, EMA Online, Go Paracat, 3 Mile will be down there, The Game, uh, on 1350 K-Man in Manhattan. Um, but you're going to get national stuff. You're going to get ESPN stuff. So it's going to be more than just kind of the usual folks. So be on the lookout for um, those national podcasts, those national radio shows, ESPN talking. It'll be very interesting to see how they talk to Chris Kleiman, how they talk to Will Howard, Daniel Green, and all the guys on the team, and how they... Uh, what questions they ask because that really paints the narrative of what's going to be told throughout this season. Now, before I give my reaction to the poll one through 14 or 14 up to one, uh, you know, them, you love them. We're back with them. Charlie hustle. Now, if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, go over to our Twitter account. We are going to have our very first giveaway. We're going to do a giveaway every single month with Charlie Hustle. So get over to the Twitter account if you want to win a free t-shirt from Charlie Hustle. Vintage, made fresh. Folks, truly the most comfortable t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, crew necks, everything. So comfortable and you're never going to want to take them off. Uh, Still too warm. Although I'll, I'll say this, Saturday, Saturday here in Shawnee, I think the high only got up to like 75 I'm, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't have my Charlie Hustle crew neck sweatshirt on, uh, you know, wearing it around with some shorts. Uh, I, I was able to kind of close my eyes and dream of crew neck uh, weather. But I have my Charlie Hustle K-State, we own this state, uh, t-shirt on right now as I'm recording this. So check out charliehustle.com for their officially licensed K-State gear and more and be sure to get over to twitter to check out the contest if you want to win some free charlie hustle all right let's get to the poll because honestly i i don't think anything was surprising to me ultimately i was very close uh you know i had my top five was exactly correct i had ucf higher than the poll did but really outside of that i had ucf higher but everything else almost was the exact same t- so so nothing was a real surprise to me but let's start at the bottom West Virginia Cincinnati Houston BYU that group of four I think that they have this correct now there's some stuff going on at Iowa State I'm still waiting to hear official war- word I'm guessing 
I'm guessing Iowa State's going to keep it close to the vest. Uh, I think they're probably going to deflect if asked about it down in Arlington at media days. But they have that gambling scandal that is going on right now. I don't know uh, what all is going to come of it. I mean, there's rumors that Hunter Deckers may be done due to the gambling scandal. uh, Or at least a very lengthy suspension. Some more guys on that defense. I think that there is a chance they could get into this mix with the bottom four. But I do think West Virginia, Cincinnati... Houston and BYU, I think that they are going to be near the bottom. West Virginia, it's a dead man walking with Neil Brown. It is a situation where uh, he is a lame duck coach. I think everyone was shocked he didn't get fired last year. I think that there's a very real chance that he is fired before we even make it to Big 12 play. I think there's a chance that he is fired in September. I think he might be the first Power 5 coach uh, fired good. I, I think uh, it, it benefits K-State if West Virginia is not good. Uh, but Neil Brown recruited well. I think he's a good coach. I'm glad this is going to be his final year. Uh, I think that's a worthy last place. Uh, and it was last placed by a pretty large margin too. Cincinnati, I think Scott Satterfield, uh, I, I think he just really showed he isn't up for the task at Louisville. Uh, I think this was one of those situations where he got out of Dodge uh, before he got fired. I think he probably had at most one more year at Louisville. Um, so I don't think he's going to be great at Cincinnati. I think there's going to be adjustment. And I think that's the case for Houston and BYU. I think there is going to be an adjustment. And they have not been up for the task in their recent years. Uh, I think BYU, what, uh when Zach Wilson was their quarterback, they really had a good year. But last year was not so great. And they, they play quite a few Pac-12 teams. So maybe they'll make that uh, adjustment quicker. Uh, again, I'm higher on UCF because I think Gus Malzahn is the best of the four incoming new coaches. I think they have the best roster. That's why I don't have them grouped in that uh, group of four. BYU, uh, I think it is just kind of is what it is with BYU. I think there's chances they could play spoiler. I think there are chances that... When things come along, they might be an 8- or 9-win team. I don't know if they'll ever truly be a consistent contender for the conference um, because their recruiting pool is never going to change. It it didn't matter whether uh, BYU was in the Mountain West, an independent, the Big 12, or Pac-12. For the most part, their recruiting base isn't going to change. Um, They are going to be recruiting the same guys uh, from the LDS background that want to go to BYU. The thing that's always going to be tricky with them is they get to go on a mission. So they get two years where they are out doing their mission work uh, for uh, the Church of Latter-day Saints. And they come back and, you know, in COVID, you know, with all this COVID eligibility, we're going to see it for one more year after this one. Everyone is like, you know, 23, 24. It's not crazy to see players who are 24 on a team. Well, at BYU, that has always been the norm. It will continue to be the norm. But at the end of the day, I I think they are who they are. And I think they're going to be perennially between that 6th and 10th place in the Big 12. Next, Iowa State. Again, I, I think that Iowa State is coming to a realization of who they are. They had a nice little run early on in Matt Campbell's career. I think Matt Campbell's going to realize, uh, what have I done? 
Uh, and I, I think they will be stuck near the bottom. I don't think they're going to go to a bowl game. Next, Kansas at 9. This is a round where I had them as well. Look, I, I think KU can get to a bowl game. I think their schedule is tougher than it was last year with Illinois instead of Duke. Um, I, I, I think that they were very lucky with some of those wins. Now, you have to be good enough to put yourself in a position in those games where you can get lucky and come away with wins. But if you look at the Houston game, you look at the West Virginia game, you look at the Iowa State game, there were a lot of wins where they had no business pulling it off. Uh, getting Oklahoma State after we broke their souls. Um, again, I, I think KU was a lot closer to being, quite frankly, a three- or four-win team last year than KU fans want to believe. And we'll touch on that and, and the the little bit of spice that we got going on um, but in this rivalry in the, in the offseason. But but I, I think that KU will come a little bit back to the law of averages. Uh, that said, would I be shocked? Would, would, would I be shocked if they went eight and four this year? Um, maybe a little bit. But I think that's within the realm of possibilities. I, I, I do think that KU truthfully in their uh, you know realm of realistic outcomes this season, they could be anywhere between three and nine, eight and four. I, I, I truly think that they have that big of variance in their season when it comes to health on the offensive side. Can they see any sort of real improvement on defense? And does you know does the Big Twelve kind of pick up on their offense last year that seemed to catch a lot of teams by surprise? So I think anything could happen with KU this year. Uh, I don't have a problem with them being at nine. Uh, UCF at eight again. I had them higher, but again, I, I think that's about you know that's in the same ballpark. You know that they're in that middle tier of Big 12 teams this year. I don't think they belong in the bottom. I definitely don't think they belong in the top. I think right there, anywhere in the middle, anywhere between 5th and 10th would have been fair for UCF. Um, I'll say this. I I wish we had any of the other new teams. I, I wish that we had BYU in the Big 12 home opener, uh, just Big 12 opener at home instead of UCF. I think that's going to be a feisty game. I definitely think they're going to be up for that game. Um, when they have the coach and they have the roster that's most ready for Power 5. I definitely wish we had BYU uh, instead of uh, UCF to start it all off. I definitely wish we had Cincinnati instead of BYU just starting off. I definitely wish we had West Virginia. Um, There are a lot of teams I wish we had instead of UCF to start it off. Uh, But I think we'll win. I think they'll be spicy. Now, Oklahoma State comes in at 7th. They have a super easy schedule, and I could craft a way for them to make it to Arlington. I just, whoever picked them number one, um, I would love to know. I'd love to have a conversation with them. I would like to talk about, okay, uh, explain to me how you have Oklahoma State as your number one. Because um, I don't see it. Again, they have an easy schedule. I, I could foresee them finding a way into Arlington, but I, I, I would not have them favored versus UCF, Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, K-State, or Texas. Um, I don't see it. That is the most confusing thing about this ballot. Not where they are because I think that they could get back to eight, nine wins depending on what they do in their non-con because they have the uh, the second easiest schedule in the Big 12. Um, 
I just don't see where they get that first place. Baylor, I think a lot of folks have a um, question mark around Baylor, and this is where the breakoff happens. Baylor is uh, 150 points away from TCU, um, although they are 100 points in front of Oklahoma State. So Baylor's really kind of on a tier of their own. I think Dave Rand is a good coach. I think they'll bounce back some this uh, upcoming year. I don't know what their ceiling looks like. I think they're going to be a solid team. I think they'll be bowling. Um, but I, I think that is a fair spot. Now is where kind of the group of five kind of separates it from itself. TCU with three votes. I think that there's a little bit of, hey, you guys are so good. When I look at TCU's roster, um, and then again, me being lower on Sonny Dykes than most, um, I think that's an appropriate spot for them. I don't see them making it back to Arlington. I, I think they're going to have a tougher time um, kind of replicating some of that. Again, they're getting their preferred quarterback last year. Again, people forget that Max Duggan, my Heisman Trophy vote, uh, number one vote getter, um, and, and he was a Heisman Trophy finalist. I think people forget that he was not the starter coming out of camp. Um, it was only when an injury occurred in that first game versus Colorado that he hit the field. So we'll see what happens with TCU. I think that's an appropriate spot for them. Um, I'm a little surprised they were as close to everyone's darling Texas Tech with four first place votes. Again, everyone, Texas Tech is kind of getting the K-State treatment from last year, but they're actually getting some first place votes there. I think that's appropriate. I think that they probably have the third or fourth best roster. I like Joey McGuire. I think he's going to do great things with Texas Tech. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Oklahoma, easiest schedule in the Big 12. Uh, four first place votes. Uh, again, we're 100 points in front of them, so there's another bit of separation there. Um, we'll see what Brent Venables can uh, can do. I'm not a believer. Um, it, it might be because I don't want to be a believer. And then last year was just so rough for the Salina, Kansas native. I don't, I don't think that they... Uh, in a vacuum, I don't think that they are the third best team in the Big 12. I think in the world, in a world where it is a 13-game round robin, I would have had them middle of the pack or closer to middle of the pack. But they get to miss K-State. You know, I think, what, Texas is the only team in the top four that they have to play. Uh, and that's on the road. I think that they'll be favorited in 11 out of their 12 games. Uh, I mean, it's just the, the big 12 fucked up. Sorry, mom, but the big 12 fucked up giving Oklahoma the schedule they did. Uh, then case they'd already talked about us. I, I think that is the appropriate spot. Um, ultimately, if you, if you would have forced me to be strapped up to a machine where I did my, uh, standings, my preseason one through 14, um, and you would have forced me to do it how I truly feel. I think I would have had K-State at second. Uh, but like I said, I'm amongst the 14 first place votes because I, I just I was just not going to put Texas in their final year as my number one. And then Texas, 41 first place votes, 886 points. K-State was eight, at 858. Again, very close. Closer than what I think that the first place vote distribution should have been. Um, I think they're the most talented. I think Steve Sarkeesian is a fine coach. I don't think I'm as high on him as some folks in the college football world uh, are. Um, but 
eventually, you know, things are not uh, just a accident. You know, eventually you have to understand the pattern. And, and I do think that there is something about the football DNA of the Texas Longhorns. I, I think they have this arrogance in them. And I do think they have this we're so much better than you attitude baked into their football program that has caused them to have some of these uh, seemingly out of nowhere upset losses. That there's something in the DNA of their football program that means that they're not going to reach that summit in the Big 12. And I I do think you have to take some of that into account. Um, We'll see what happens this season. I would not be shocked if they beat Alabama, and then I wouldn't be shocked if they lost at Houston. Nothing will surprise me if this Texas team, again, I think they have the talent, and I think they have a good enough coach where they could make it to the college football playoff. But I also, like I said, I would not be shocked if it's K-State in Oklahoma or K-State in Texas Tech or even uh, K-State TCU, K-State Oklahoma State in Arlington. I would not be shocked if they're not making it to Arlington. So... That's how I see it. Feel free to tweet at Scott Wildcat, at, at Bosco's Boys. Let me know your reaction to that 1 through 14. What would your preseason of poll look like? Uh, who is the most overrated team in the Big 12 based on that media poll? Who is the most underrated team? Let me know your thoughts. Who is the biggest sleeper based on that? Um, who is the team without any first place votes that you think have a shot? Again, that's tough. And I'll say this. With so many schools getting first place votes, I do think that, and I think this is what the Big 12 is going to be moving forward. I don't think this is going to be a one-year thing. As much as I would love K-State to go on this run similar to what Oklahoma has uh, in football, again, you have to give Oklahoma credit for what they've been able to accomplish basically since Bob Stoops came in. Um, Again... (laughs) You know, uh, I don't think Brent, I think it was coming to an end with a higher Brent Venables, but Hey, uh, you know, there are some pro in college football, college sports as a whole, you're only one good hire away from winning your conference. Um, so I don't think Oklahoma is going to be down forever. I think they'll bounce back whenever they move on from the Salina native Brent Venables. But, uh, I don't think, I don't think TCU, I don't think K state, I don't think Baylor, I don't think UCF. Anyone, I don't think anyone is about to turn around and own this conference and run this conference similar to what Oklahoma has been able to do. I think that year in, year out, you're going to see three, four teams, maybe even five teams getting votes, first place votes in this preseason media poll moving forward. And I think that's exciting. I think that's exciting. Um, let's move on to uh, what I've, especially, and it became very apparent in the last week, um, kind of my observation of the KUK state rivalry in football and kind of my observations surrounding that um, beyond just the typical Twitter stuff. Um, before I do remember great sponsors, Manhattan brewing company in Manhattan, Kansas and downtown Manhattan on points Avenue. Make sure you visit them every time you're in the happiest place in America, Manhattan, Kansas and charliehustle.com. Uh, Charlie hustle, 
vintage, made, fresh, the best officially licensed KC State apparel, and KC landmarks and the KC Heart stuff. Check them out down on the plaza at their storefront, or like I said, charliehustle.com for all your online shopping. I think that we are seeing the football rivalry, the football version of the Sunflower Showdown get um, a little bit of the treatment, at least regionally, that the basketball game has for the last, I mean, what, since Bob Huggins came to town, so the last 25 years. Um, we're starting to get that in football, and it's almost becoming, anti, uh, you know, antenna, or antenna, uh, People are trying to egg it on. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, they're, they're trying to instigate stuff. Um, I, As all of you guys know, I listen to a ton of podcasts. I listen to all sorts of sports talk radio. And, and I want to give a shout out to Philip Slavin of the 1012 Network. He did his Big 12 Dream Road Trip episode. Um, and I'm going to have that uh, episode as well. And he talked about how the Sunflower Showdown... Uh, might be one of the best rivalries in the uh, remaining in the Big 12. I think he actually thinks Farmageddon's the number one. But he said, hey, this is the one I want to go to. I think this is the one KU could win. Um, you know, on the Border Patrol on 810, Nate Bucati uh, and uh, uh, Stan Weber were pitted against each other by Stephen St. John talking about Will Howard versus... Uh, Jalen Daniels when when we talk about who the best quarterback in the Big 12 and who the best quarterback uh, in the state is um, basically the on Friday the every every other show in uh, on 810 had some version of that debate we, we saw it play out on 610 uh, with C. Harrison bringing in John Kurtz and I, I think it was uh, John Kirby maybe I, I forget who they brought in from KU but again, this the, the, this is becoming something in the region that is being talked about on Kansas City Sports Talk Radio. It's being talked about by folks in the Big Twelve, uh, you know, media sphere, content sphere of this game and this rivalry. And I think that it is really taking it to another level because uh, we, we saw it during the season last year. KU fans kind of. Win a few games, they start puffing their chests out. Hell, you guys remember before the first, uh, you know, Chris Kleiman Les Miles showdown, the who is K State and all that, and everything that went into the lead up to that game after they beat Texas Tech. Um, all it takes, all it needs, is a little bit of a spark, and KU fans will light that powder keg, and it gets going on Twitter. And we've seen it this summer. We've seen it go to a new level. And I, and honestly, yes, it, it's fun. Um, but I, I prefer them to go back to winning one game a year. But it's fun. It, 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 is, it has brought a new element to the rivalry. Now, all of that said, this has been something that has lived predominantly on the internet. Predominantly on Twitter. Um, something that really was just between fans. We are now seeing this bleed into uh, the regional media in a way that it only happens 
in the week leading up to the Sunflower Showdown in football. You know, this is something that is largely ignored by the Kansas City media, mainly because <laughs> there's nobody, there, there is no day-in, day-out K-State fan amongst any of the, what, 12 hours of sports talk in Kansas City? No, it's 24 because there's, sorry, I mean, here I am. There's 12 hours straight of sports talk on 810 and 610. So there's 24 hours of sports talk every single day in the Kansas City Metro, and there's not a single K-State fan who is a host or contributor every single day. So with it being dominated by KU fans, you never hear you never hear about this in the summer. And usually in the week leading up to it, it's all Kansas City Chiefs and they'll just bring something up. There'll be a few mentions here or there on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. But because of KU's increased uh, status in the Big 12, you know, the first time in forever that they were, you know, not the unanimous pick for last team in the Big 12. They're adding to this spice. And, and I think it puts K-State fans kind of in a situation where we operate at our best. I think K-State fans love having a us-against-the-world mentality. And I think in this rivalry in football, it's had it, – it's. I mean, it's been manufactured. Uh, you know, they trot out the Kansas kids to the media and talk about how uh, they didn't want anything to do with us. And then we've come, we come to K-State and we kick their ass. That That is the narrative that we send out there, and I love that. And now we're getting to see a little bit of it in the regional media. And quite frankly, I love it, but I also hate it. I, I, I think it is very uh, lazy the way they talk about it. I think that they are looking to get a rise out of K-State fans. And quite frankly, it worked. Quite frankly, it worked, but I, I do think it is entertaining, and I do think it is kind of fun to see this rivalry kind of come to stage in this in the region um, instead of just being a throwaway. Um, now, I think we're going to kick their ass. I think that there is a very real chance we see this rivalry. Uh, you know, it'll go to 15 games this year. I think that there's a chance we see this get to 20. I, K-State is in the midst of the most dominant streak in this rivalry. And this is a game that's been played 120 times. Um, but I love it. I, I This is what makes college uh, football, this is what makes make college, college sports the absolute best. And since Iowa State have decided to go completely dormant, um, you don't hear from K-State or Iowa State fans at all. Farmageddon's kind of like, all right, well, it was cute for a while, Iowa State fans. Um, now we don't see you. We don't see you on the Twitter streets anymore. I'm kind of glad that uh, <laughs> we have something to bicker with uh, with our regional rivals. And honestly, it's a shame because at different points in this offseason, uh, on Twitter, on message boards, on podcasts, we... <laughs> We, we've argued with Missouri fans, and, and we get to play them week three. And I think that's going to be a infinitely fun buildup and hopefully uh, aftermath. I, I think that is going to be an absolute blast. Um, there's been some back and forth with Nebraska fans over recruiting and who's even relevant in today's college uh, sports landscape. Ever since Oklahoma decided to leave, we've had a lot of uh, 
back and forth with Oklahoma fans. Uh, I'm going to miss that. And even with conference realignment and some stuff with the Pac-12, that's kind of led to some stuff with Colorado fans as well. You know, wouldn't it be nice if uh, like there was just like an eight-team conference you know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, KU, K-State, Missouri, Nebraska, Iowa State, Colorado. These regional schools that uh, have all this history and this disdain for each other and had this nice little eight-team regional conference and played each other all the time. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I think it'd be awesome. Someone should come up with that. Uh, oh, well. Um, it's sad. Honestly, I for a split second I just got really depressed about conference realignment. Um, but whatever, I'll learn to hate Houston, BYU, UCF, and uh, Cincinnati. I guess. I guess whatever. As long as we get to keep playing KU, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and I get to keep hate them, um, everything will be fine. Honestly, there, there's a little mini rivalry that seems to be developing between. K-State and TCU with how often we play each other and the postseason in basketball and football supremacy. We'll see what develops there over the next few years. I think that game's going to be wild, by the way, in Bill Snyder Family Stadium. I think that's going to be a wild game. Um, Let's move on, and and I just want to end this talking about the latest crown jewel of college athletics when it comes to uh, facilities Um, The Morgan Family Volleyball Arena opened up this past weekend. Um, It'll be the first season of volleyball where uh, K-State will be out of Bramlage and into this new arena. And folks, if you haven't yet, get on social media. Get on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and check out the videos and the pictures from this uh, facility. Because quite frankly, I, I, I think this is going to be the greatest volleyball arena in college athletics now uh credit where credit's due there there are some programs uh you know i think nebraska creighton um some of those big 10 schools that really pack them in like eight ten thousand in their uh basketball arena for volleyball um and, and that's awesome i i, I wish k-state had that level um, where they're putting uh, 10,000 folks in Bramlage, and that made sense. But, folks, this is the crown jewel of college volleyball. There is not a nicer volleyball-specific arena in all of college athletics. I, I think with moving to this arena, I think it's going to get K-State back to the spot where they're one of probably the 10 best, 10, 15 best atmospheres in college volleyball. You know, this is, uh, <laughs> this is the uh, argument. This is kind of like the, the stuff we hear from some of those old folks who saw K-State basketball playing Ahern. But when I was a student, K-State volleyball played like 90% of their games in Ahern Fieldhouse. And that place was rocking. That was a wild, intimidating atmosphere. I think I went to more volleyball games um, than any other sport besides uh, football and basketball. And hell, I, I might have gone to more volleyball matches than football matches and uh, uh, games in college because you play a larger se- or schedule. Uh, my freshman and sophomore year, I was going to almost every home volleyball match. Um, and I think with this arena, we're going to see a return to 
uh, that crazy atmosphere that you used to see in Ahern Fieldhouse. And, and I think this, hopefully, with Coach Mansfield, I hope this takes K-State Volleyball to that next level and uh, gets the atmosphere, gets the recruiting up. And look, I think BYU is going to be a salty volleyball team. I think Baylor's going to be a salty volleyball team. I think that there are going to be good volleyball schools. Now, I don't think that you're going to be playing against, uh, you know, eight Olympians like that Texas rolls out there. So I think that uh, winning the Big 12 could become a realistic um, goal for the volleyball team in this new version of the uh, Big 12. Um, and I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. And it, and it goes beyond that. There's also a brand new state-of-the-art strength and uh conditioning and rehab facility for all the sports um, that are not basketball, football, and baseball, all of which have their own facility. But it has state-of-the-art training for soccer, for volleyball, for all the track and field. Tennis and rowing get to get in there as well. And that makes me proud and that makes me happy as a K-Stater. I know a lot of folks probably say, why... Uh, have these facilities why go after these donor uh, dollars to build these facilities for the non-revenue sports Um, and I don't love that I understand it because that is what we've been conditioned to think only football and basketball matters Um, and and I don't do a great job I I, I try my best to talk about the uh, non- Revenue sports, I try my best to talk about the Olympic sports, but I'm not even great about it. You know, shout out to the Aggieville Alley Cats. They are the best. Um, But I love that K-State is delivering a world-class student-athlete experience for all sports, for all of the sports, and putting them in the best positions to win. Now, I'd like to see more winning from these sports, and I I think that uh, hopefully we do. Um, especially when they're giving these sorts of facilities. But I'm just happy that they have these. And I'm happy the way K-State goes about it. A lot has been said on social media, on Twitter, um, looking at what uh, KU has been doing with their uh, latest football project, where they are um, taking money from their university endowment, where they are taking bond money and grant money from the state um and not your traditional bonds but star bonds um basically taking a lot of loopholed handouts from the state uh to build their new football facilities renovate their football stadium um and even going back to rock chalk park again leaning on douglas county um not their own donors not their own revenue to get that facility built. Um, you got to do what you got to do. And, and, and I truly am not trying to use this to take a shot at how KU has gone about funding uh, and neglecting some of their university or some of their athletic department facilities. Um, but to point out that the way K State goes about this is not the norm. It is unique. And I think that the leadership at K-State, starting with John Curry, kept going by Gene Taylor uh, with the backing of our the great donors at K-State. Again, K-State probably, actually I know, they do not have the deep roster 
of millionaire and billionaire donors. They don't have as deep a roster as some of these other universities, some of these other athletic departments, but they are some of the most generous and they keep stepping up when asked upon. We have seen new facilities and renovations for every single team at this university, uh, you know, within the last, what, within the last 15 years. Every single uh, sport has had a major renovation with either their stadium, training facility, uh, strength and conditioning, nutrition, all this type. All of them have seen major improvements just in the last 15 years. In the last 15 years, we've seen close to a billion dollars worth of capital projects at K-State, all with the backing of our revenue and our donors, not taking money from the university, not taking money from the state. Um, it has been impressive, and, and I just wanted to applaud uh, Gene Taylor, John Curry, all the donors um, who have been part of this transformation over the last 15 years at K-State um, b- because it truly has been astonishing. And I, I, I think K-State truly is becoming um, the envy of so many universities doing things, uh, you know, doing the whole more with less mentality, but being fiscally responsible, being good stewards of these dollars. Uh, it makes me very proud of our uh, athletic department uh, and that, that we're not leaning on the university. We're not leaning on the backs of students uh, to do all this type of stuff. And I just wanted to give a shout out to end the episode to everyone who has made that possible. Um, we'll end uh, with this four things. I'm just looking uh, you know, the Manhattan Brewing Company four pack final to end this episode. Four things that I'm going to be looking for at Big 12 Media Days. From afar, I won't be there. I will be interested. A lot of more macro stuff uh, with the conference. I, I don't think anything too crazy will come out from K-State, from the players, from Coach Climate. But I'll be interested. Uh, Brett Yormark, he will take the podium. I'll be interested how vocal he is talking about uh, you know realignment, adding more teams to the Big 12 Lots of rumors, lots of talk about the Pac-12, their media deal, all that type of stuff. What is he going to say about that? I'll be interested if he talks more about Big 12 Mexico from a football uh, point of view. It was announced that there will be a basketball game next season between Houston and KU um, and a possible bowl game in the future for football. Um, I'll be interested if he talks more about that. Does he want to get to a point where a regular season game is played down there for football or if it's only going to be a bowl game? Uh, Number three, I'll be interested to see if any of the four new coaches decide, hey, I'm going to try to make a splash. I'm going to try to make a name for myself and for the football program I represent. Are they going to make news with anything that they say? So I'll be really hyper-focused on on the four new teams and then the final one are we going to hear anything from matt campbell in the sports gambling scandal that is uh probably going to rock iowa state you know it it, it was reported over a month ago at this point we haven't heard any more details i'll be interested to hear more about that so those are the manhattan brewing company four pack of things i'll be looking for at 
Big 12 Media Days on Wednesday and Thursday. Remember, check out Manhattan Brewing Company. Check out charliehustle.com. They help us out, so make sure you support them as well. That's all I have. We'll be back Wednesday with a Q&A episode. So for Chauncey, the best dog in the world, we love you guys, and go Cats. Podcast Network.